Thank you for setting your podcast dial to 14th and G. I'm your host, Dean Hinkson, coming to you from the offices of Melman, Castagnetti, Rosen, and Thomas in frantic end of the year downtown Washington, D.C. You ever take an Amtrak out of the old Penn Station in midtown Manhattan? Hundreds of confused tourists trailing their luggage in a basement level room with no natural light, all straining for that old clickboard, hoping to see their train and track number announced. And then, bam, Northeast Regional 177, track 14, mad scramble. Women and children knocked aside to get to the queue. That's pretty much the scene in Congress the first week of December with government funding set to expire Friday. The annual defense bill in limbo, the government's borrowing authority, the debt limit maxed out. And lest we forget the Democrats' massive trillion-dollar-plus social spending bill using the budget reconciliation process, still a work in progress. I am still digesting my deep-fried turkey, so I'm glad to have my colleagues here at the firm back with me to break it all down. Republican Bruce Melman and Democrat David Thomas, we're going to wrap up 2021 in 21 minutes. Bruce, David. Welcome to 14th and G. All right. All aboard. Let's do it, Dean. That was your best scene. You know, that was your best scene setter of the year. It also makes me wonder whether since we're uh, not only taping a podcast, but recording this, you know, 30 years from now, a la the Beatles documentary, Get Back. They're going to watch these. It makes me also wonder if Brooke Thomas is sitting just off the edge of the screen there from DT, a la Yoko Ono. Yes, just oh. just just staring us down, Bruce. She's just <laughs> staring us down. Well, David, how about it? Democrats have all this under control, uh, starting with government funding. We're looking at a continuing resolution to keep it on autopilot to late January, early February. They're going to be a shutdown this weekend. I'm still trying to get over the fact that uh, Bruce just referred to my wife as Yoko Ono, which I believe makes <laughs> which I believe makes you the Ringo of our firm. So way to go, pal. <laughs> Um, I want to be McCartney. Uh, yeah, well, everybody wants to be Paul McCartney, but you're Ringo. <laughs> He's lovable, but a little goofy. Um, okay, so why, why don't I give you just a, a, a uh, two-minute rundown of, I think, of where things are midweek, uh, beginning of December here. Uh, so we've got a the CR expires in two days, at Friday. Uh, it, it seems like uh, there's been a lot of discussions here about uh, trying to extend that either to late January, early February. The House may vote as soon as today to uh, uh, extend funding, but we don't know exactly what that date is, number one. Number two, debt limit. We've got, uh, you know, the current expiration is December 15th. There's been some discussion whether Treasury could extend that into next year or not, but it seems like there are some good discussions uh, going on between Senators McConnell and Schumer. And most importantly, um, these are discussions that are uh, seem to be cordial, which is very different from the last time around here. So that is, uh, I, I suppose, progressing quietly. We don't know exactly where that stands. Third, NDAA. Uh, there's a hotline going on in the Senate to try to clear out a bunch of amendments. Possible if they can come to agreement that that could get done uh, this week as well, which then leaves us with the big kahuna, which would be the Build Back Better reconciliation bill. And that depends on a few uh, well-known Democratic senators coming to agreement to let that move forward. So I think that's where we are uh, today, Dean. It's, it's uh, consistent with his uh, with his John Lennon imitation there. Imagine all the senators getting along and getting their jobs done. I'm hoping <laughs> you're right, D.T., you know, you're already seeing on government funding uh, a growing number of Republicans suggesting that there ought to be a moratorium on the federal vaccine mandates uh, until the courts have resolved it. That could slow things down, lead to a weekend shutdown. Debt limit should be simpler, given that 
each party has been shocked, shocked at the other party's unwillingness to extend the debt limit when they hold the White House. Uh, and yet uh, most debt limit negotiations historically end up with some kind of give to the to the uh, acquiescing party. And, and here it looks like the Dems are going to do it with no give and no Republican votes. But Republicans are making that tougher than most business leaders we know wish they would. NDA, I agree with you, feels uh, proceeding apace. And uh, and I don't think Build Back Better is uh, built back in 2021, uh, but it feels like they'll get it done in 22 to me. Uh, so BBB, the reconciliation bill, uh, this is the Democratic only process through the budget reconciliation process. Uh, Senator Schumer wants to tee this up before Christmas. Senator Manchin seems to have sort of come down to his final ask here on on paid family leave and getting that out of the bill. Reports that Senator Sinema, the other holdout, uh, has cut some sort of a deal here for her support, but no one knows if she's cut a deal or what that deal is. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, uh, it's sort of an interesting uh, take on how uh, one negotiates here. Uh, Senator uh, Manchin is verbose and will speak out in the hallway and uh, always say what's on his mind. Senator Cinema is the exact opposite. She does things quietly behind closed doors. And so there's always a lot of mystery about exactly where she uh, stands. I think part of the key here in getting this deal done is getting over a few of these other hurdles that you just mentioned. There's only so much bandwidth that uh, uh, that Senator Schumer and the Senate leadership uh, can handle here. I think if they can get a deal on a on a CR, get the debt limit dealt with, and maybe get NDAA off the floor, all of a sudden that clears things out for the last uh, couple of weeks of the year here. He has said he would like the uh, reconciliation bill done before the end of the year. I think it's a tough putt, but I also think it's possible. There is no action forcing event at the end of the year here. It's just uh, sort of trying to clear the clear the decks uh, by the end of the year. So we should know more in coming days, but I think if they can knock out some of these other uh, must-dos, uh, it's possible. David, I gave you one last chance to say full steam ahead, and you did not take me up on it. <laughs> hey, it worked for bipartisan infrastructure. You said full steam ahead for months, and it finally was full steam ahead. But That's right. <laughs> the, the bill passed. The president's approval numbers have continued to tank. He's way underwater in swing states like North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Iowa, Wisconsin, uh, places where uh, Democrats are going to have to do well, both in the House and Senate midterm elections. I'll say Republicans are really starting to feel a tailwind uh, for the midterms next year. What's going on here and, and how does that play? Uh, the fact that they have passed bipartisan infrastructure, it does not seem to have helped politically. How does that play both into the uh, into the Build Back Better uh, reconciliation bill? And, and what does it mean for the politics in 2022? I'm happy to start here. You know, first, two things have been true. Presidents tend to get their biggest accomplishments done in the first two years, and voters tend to punish them, notwithstanding those accomplishments. So whether it's the Trump tax cut or the Affordable Care Act, um, it's, uh, you know, or a variety of things, crime bill, among others, that the Clinton administration sought credit for. All three of those presidents lost the House in the subsequent first midterms. This administration admittedly has some global challenges like a pandemic that they're struggling with. But at the same time, uh, some combination of own goals and playing to the base, I think, have created um, uh, headwinds that that are compounded by the natural midterm tendencies. So on covid you know, roll the tape back to July 4th, and there was not quite an Independence Day, you know, victory over COVID type 
uh, commentary from the White House, but that feels a little bit premature. And we're seeing a lot of uh, pushback against mask mandates and and uh, and vax mand uh, and ma- vax mandates at the same time as uh, new v- variants are coming. So pe- nobody feels good about that. You know, the administration came in with advertising that this is you know one of the great foreign policy um, uh, virtuosos. You know, the the most the steadiest hand since Yalta. It's not the way it felt necessarily at Afghanistan. Um, Russia on the border of Ukraine, you know, the Iran deal, which admittedly is a Trump fail, uh, but the uh, there's no Humpty Dumpty being put back together again. You know, the administration refuses to say there's a crisis on the border, but we have uh, the largest number of border incursions ever measured and probably the largest since 1834 precipitating the Mexican-American War. You know, and, and while uh, the crime spike that happens with all pandemics happened on Trump's watch, not Biden's watch. Um, there is a, a general sense, if you look at the polls, that it's a larger problem the Democrats are admitting to and that Republicans are generally trusted more on questions of law and order. E.T., you've got one canary in the coal mine here in the Virginia and New Jersey gubernatorial midterms. Uh, the Republican won the first statewide in many years in Virginia and the New Jersey incumbent Democratic governor uh, won a very, very closer than expected race. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's both uh, true here, and and I think to get uh, back to uh, respond a little bit of what what Bruce is is talking about here, um, the the administration is um, in the middle of sausage making. Legislating is not pretty. It is not easy. Uh, most importantly, takes time for people to feel it. I, I think as we get into next year, the implementation of the infrastructure bill, the continued recovery from the pandemic, the, the administration has been very laser-like focused on, on uh, trying to deal with this pandemic and get the economy back on track. I think if uh, they proceed on that course, that is their best chance to uh, sort of beat back uh, the odds and, and uh, protect the House, protect the Senate here. Uh, it, it's tough because history does say that presidents don't do well in their first midterms here. But the Biden administration is building a case for sort of making things work again after a very tumultuous four years. So I, uh, I'm i not ruling out uh, they can't beat the odds here. Um, and I think if particularly if they can get this uh, uh, reconciliation bill done, that is as good a chance as they're going to have to make a positive case that they are doing the work that the American people hired them to do. So, Bruce, yeah, we're going to but- we're going to pass the bill so we can find out what's in it. And uh, I'll be right with the world. Well, also, also, though, you know, think about this. If DT's right that the dollars get through, you know, the projects that the infrastructure dollars are aimed at get through all of the environmental reviews and hit the street in 2022, which seems pretty fast, um, that just puts more tailwind behind inflation. If the economy is hot, which it is right now, it's hard to get through a lot of the shortages and a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, mismatches that we're seeing that are very much inflationary. And that's that was one of the big issues on voters mind in Virginia. Throw in the the fact that the Republican ran on local issues like, hey, parents ought to have a say in what their kids learn in schools. And and inconceivably, the Democratic candidate in that race seemed to be on the other side of that. You also saw some COVID fatigue. You know, to me, the big one is look at the last 12 gubernatorial races in Virginia. 11 of the last 12, including this time, the candidate won whose party didn't hold the White House. There is a little bit where notwithstanding McAuliffe, I think, not running the best race he could have run, history was not on his side. And that same history shows us that since World War II, there have only been two midterms where the president, where the party holding the White House 
didn't lose seats in the house and you got no fouls to give in the house there. No, it's, that's fine. And, and uh, I will give uh, Glenn uh, Yunkin uh, some credit. Uh, he has managed to smooth the rough edges of a uh, MAGA campaign with a fleeced vest and sort of a Mitt Romney-esque uh, you know, business acumen. Okay, great. You know who uh, does not have those qualities? Herschel Walker and Dr. Oz. It is going to be <laughs> like the craziest lineup of people uh, for, the, for the Republicans to try to take back the Senate. Uh, people who McConnell did not even want to run. Look, I love Herschel Walker as much as uh, anybody. Um, I was regaling Dean uh, yesterday. Like I got to see Herschel Walker play in the Sugar Bowl with my dad, and he was playing uh, Dan Marino at Pitt. Now, Dan Marino and Herschel Walker, great football players. I don't want either one of them in the Senate. Uh, it seems like a real big risk down in Georgia uh, to throw that, uh, uh, you know, to throw him on the ballot here. Um, I'll take Raphael Warnock uh, nine days out of 10. I'll tell you, something's going on down there in Georgia, though. Uh, Walker's uh, Walker's campaign rallies are, are are pretty electric by all accounts. I have, do not know what to make of Dr. Oz. Uh, not an auspicious beginning when your campaign announcement does not mention the state in which you're running. But I want to turn back to this, this issue of inflation. It's, it's, it's an issue. It's a campaign issue. Republicans have been hammering this issue actually all year. I think the administration has a pretty transparent effort underway to try to lay blame for rising costs at the feet of retailers and energy producers. You've got White House rhetoric, you've got Federal Trade Commission investigations. David, can Biden avoid owning what Americans are seeing at the store shelf and at the pump? Uh, unlike uh, a recent president who will cast blame in every other direction, I think Joe Biden is a stand-up guy. He is the president right now, and he's trying to figure this out. He is using the tools of government to try to address high uh, prices here. It's why he opened up the ports of Long Beach for 24 hours a day to get all the shipping uh, containers off the boats. So I think you're going to continue to see the government do those kind of things. And, you know, this is not the kind of issue that gets solved uh, uh, overnight here, but he's got uh, 11 months. Um, to try to, uh, you know, to start to, to, to turn that tanker around and, uh, and get it unloaded. So, uh, you know, I think we're going to see more things like that as we look to next year. The challenge, and you're right, DT, you know, to the credit of the Biden administration, they're uh, from time to time willing to suggest the buck perhaps stops with them before they then go on to explain a variety of things. In this case, they're suggesting that uh, inflation will magically go away. It's not quite the phrase, but it sounds like a phrase I've heard. The challenge is they're also encouraging, you know, strike tober, and we've seen wages going up. I don't think wages are going to drive back down. There still is a gap between uh, positions available and workers in the in the uh, workforce. That's going infl to uh, inflation is more than anything else driven by wages and expectation of wages. Uh, we're in a uh, we're in a crunch where that will be driving things. Energy prices are up about eighty percent globally in the United States by many measures, about 50% up. There's no reason as we're seeing, you know, the, the Biden administration has asked OPEC to pump more. The Europeans have asked Putin to give them more gas. They don't either, A, that doesn't play well, and B, I don't think that resolves energy-driven inflation. We've got massive market bubbles in real estate and equities driven by the Fed. I don't see why that makes things go away instantly. You know, I do think at some point the supply chain, uh, uh, snafus are going to ease a little bit and the administration's working hard to help make that happen. But, and I'm not an economist, but it sure feels to me that inflation will be a lot higher than anybody is comfortable with in the midterms. And, uh, and that's not high on the list of things that helps parties not get clobbered. 
the, the other big determinant of, of how this is going to go next year and, and what President Biden's being held accountable for is the course of the pandemic. Omicron. <laughs> it sounds ominous, is it? I think it's too soon to tell, Dean. Um, I, I think, obviously, there was a, a very quick and swift reaction last Friday by the markets. Uh, uh, when this came out here, it feels like people are now um, uh, cooling a little bit to, to like, let's wait and see. Let's get what the data says. And um, uh, you know what's been reported is in the next two to three weeks or so, we should have actual scientific data that will um, you know hopefully uh, be uh, a little bit more positive. But boy, there's the case for going out and getting your booster and just continuing to be vigilant. Everybody is tired of this. Every person out there is tired of having to deal with this. So but um, we've just got to, you know, the best way out of this is uh, we've known. I will wholeheartedly agree with the uh, medical advice by my good colleague, DT, get your booster for sure. The other thing that we also have to remember is the media is at the end of the day, a competitive business that succeeds if you believe there's breaking news and makes you watch and makes you click all the time. And they're pretty invested in what you might call pandemic porn. And so each new variant, each new study has a breathless breaking, oh my God, the end of the world is coming. A lot of people are kind of sick and tired of it. It doesn't mean Omicron's not a risk. It looks like it probably is. But uh, as DT said, get vaccinated, get your booster and, and you know, use basic common sense. We're generally should be in a fine position. Well, we're all trying to make predictions here. I don't think any of us could have predicted exactly how 2021 was going to go. But let's try for 2022. Big, bold predictions. Bruce, you're really good at this. You got any? No pressure. You know, I'm working on the new Q4 slide deck, which they used to come out in October. Now it's going to come out in December, which is, which is bad enough. It's going to focus jo- broadly just on we're in a world of risk. I worry that all of us sort of feel like we're in the eighth inning, whether it's the pandemic or, uh, or U.S. China or geopolitics. And, uh, and I fear that we've got a lot of big challenges ahead of us. I worry a lot about U.S. China, but I also worry about Uh, Some of the nations, Russia, Iran right now, recognizing that the world needs them to pump fossil fuels because the, you know, the presentable world doesn't want to invest in fossil fuels. We need those guys to pollute so we can blame them for it. That creates some real geopolitical risks. I worry 2022 is going to see whether it's in Iran and Israel, whether it's Ukraine, Russia, or even, God forbid, China, Taiwan, post-Olympics. I'm really worried that that's going to be a big impact event next year. David, what do you? What's in your crystal ball for uh, the double deuce? Uh, well, <laughs> well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to try to be a, a, a little bit more optimistic than my gloomy uh, colleague. I've given you a lot of room to work with here. Just avoid World War Three. Yeah, yeah, boy, holy smokes! Uh, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple of predictions. Uh, number one, the uh, Build Back Better bill will pass before my birthday, uh, which is uh, January 31st. So I, uh, I think that bill will be done. It will get to the president's desk. It will make uh, Joe Biden's legislative agenda uh, for the most part uh, complete before the midterms and has the potential to make him the most uh, sort of consequential legislative agenda since LBJ. So that's number one. Number two, Democrats are going to hold the Senate and pick up a seat, beating back the odds that uh, Bruce described earlier. So I feel pretty good about that. And my third prediction is that Bruce Melman is going to call my house before the end of today to apologize to my wife for calling her Yoko Ono. (laughs) (laughs) I think those are pretty good predictions. I'm going to predict that both Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema leave the Democratic Party, turn into independents, 
and announced themselves as a unity ticket for president in 2024. Who's going to be Whoa, top? Hot take. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He ends as strong as he starts. Not sure who's going to be top of the ticket. Guys, uh, it's been a great year and looking for a better one ahead. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today on 14th and G. Bruce Melman, David Thomas. Let's kick this year in the butt. <laughs> Thank you, DT. Hey, do we get another minute next year? Is it 2022 in 22 minutes? Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. All right. This 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 program will slowly stretch into an hour by the time we're all <laughs> dead. <laughs>